it's Monday the 3rd of July. I'm Miranda Sawyer and I'll stump you if you step over that crease. Welcome back to Paper Cuts, the modern newspaper review where we munch through a pile of papers like a hungover student with a family bag of wassets. We're here to find the cleverest features, the nuttiest takes and to celebrate the best parts of the British press. Remember, we're out mid-morning every Monday, Wednesday and Friday, so subscribe on your favourite podcast app and you'll never miss an episode. Now here are the headlines for today's show. You OK, son? Rishi Sunak feels like life isn't going his way. Cricketers get cross with other cricketers for playing cricket in a way that's not cricket. Australia accused of cheating as they beat England in the second test. And watery grave. Would you rather be boiled in the bag or cremated when you die? Welcome to Paper Cuts. We read the papers so you don't have to. Thanks for joining us on Paper Cuts, the show that checks the proof and puts the issue to bed. I'm Miranda Sawyer, and here to whistle up 500 words on whatever you want to pay him for, it's the critic sketchwriter Robert Hutton. Hello, Rob. Hello. <laughs> I'm seriously, call me. I'm available. <laughs> and back to reality after her trip to the west coast of America, it's comedian and podcaster Gronya Maguire. Hello, Gronya. I've discovered gold. <laughs> <laughs> So what have we got on headline front, Rob? Uh, So the I has got voters turn on Sunak over poor handling of inflation. Um, The Sun has got out of order. Fans in Aussie cheats bust up Stokes heroics, but England lose. Is that about cricket? (laughs) (laughs) It it, it is. I I decoded it. It's about cricket. The the Telegraph, big photo of the cricket, but it says banks must respect free speech of customers. This is the story that Nigel Farage and other people have had bank accounts closed, possibly for non-PC reasons or possibly just because banks are awful. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Grony, what do you have? Uh, I have The Guardian. Uh, So one of their big stories on the front page is There is no hope. The fury of France is left behind. So that's obviously dealing with the chaos in Paris at the moment. Then the Daily Mail, oh, their front page is just fabulous. The first third (laughs) is get this newspaper on your mobile or tablet. How? (laughs) (laughs) So it sounds like something they're shouting, like somebody shouting down their phone to their parent. Just get it on your phone. So once again, they're just explaining how the internet works, telling them that you can get this on your tablet you can get bonus picks and articles and hundreds of puzzles. Oh, that was, that, I mean, it is a pull. <laughs> and then uh, they, their main lead story, apart from uh, that the internet exists, is um, electric cars. Put, you know, the big story everybody's talking about. Put brakes on damaging 2030 petrol car ban. So they're leading with that. And then the Daily Star has a story that I think has scandalously been overlooked. China's cosmic moon nukes. <laughs> New arms race to mining space rocks to make super weapons. OK, I mean, it's not followed up in any of the other papers, but, you know, it's the star. <laughs> it's the star, so they should be covering space stories. Of course. Fairness. So the other story they have is that naturists are now going to Scotland to let their... Bits hang out. Their bits hang out. (laughs) And the headline on the front page is too hot for our members. And then the second headline for it on page five is 
Archive the Nude. Well Very done, good. that's up. The star. Yeah. Whoop, whoop. Beautiful. Okay, um, I feel like we should have a quick look at the Telegraph piece about bank accounts. Um, essentially, it's uh, Jeremy Hunt is saying, oh, the banks need to sort themselves out. But it does seem to be slightly driven by Nigel Farage. Yeah, so, so Farage announced last week that his account with, I think, Coots, yes. uh, marvellously, had um, been closed for political reasons and he'd been unable to um, open an account anywhere else. And obviously, unpleasant things happening to Nigel Farage is you know objectively funny yeah but <laughs> but actually this is a it's possible that this is a real thing because there is a there is definitely a thing happening that the retail banks are just retreating from anything difficult yes. and anything controversial and that actually is a in a world where you have to have a bank account to do anything at all that is actually a real problem yes i mean it seems i mean it seems like a slightly kind of woke you know go work or go broke story which is essentially you know if you're non-pc then they won't have you uh, on a uh, uh, won't give you a bank account but actually it's a little bit more than that banks are worried about fraud aren't they so if anybody has a bank account where you move a lot of money around for whatever reason then yeah so basically if you're doing anything uh, but the the problem is that there's there are lots of non-free non-fraud reasons why you might be doing something that's slightly non-standard Buying and, a house. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> just, yeah, there's just all sorts of reasons why, you know, odd, odd, odd groups and outfits, you know, need banking for perfectly legitimate reasons. And banks are just, just can't, just can't be bothered with any of it. Yeah. Um, so they sort of need to maybe be a bit, so it may not be that it's a crack, it's revenge against Farage so much as just that Farage's uh, affairs are, are more complicated than banks can be bothered to deal with, if you yeah. see what I mean. That you're literally saying they can't be bothered to deal with Nigel Farage. <laughs> yeah, and we I mean, understand. <laughs> Nevertheless, guys. It's a hot mess. <laughs> if you can't handle a mother's worst, you don't deserve mother's more solvent. <laughs> There are loads of headlines about one thing today, and that thing is cricket. (laughs) Grania, why are you not whooping? I can't believe it. Both on the front and the back pages. So the mail has disgrace, the eye has the gloves are off, the sun has out of order on the front, and the amazing pariah Carey on the sports pages, (laughs) which is absolutely brilliant. Two papers of just not cricket on the front, and the Telegraph is frankly apoplectic with chuntering. Rob, can you explain what's going on? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Gronya, we're going to be testing oh you at the end God. of this. <laughs> so cricket, Gronya, is a game of two... No, so yesterday, the Ashes battle, the, the hottest ticket in cricket. Uh, Johnny Bairstow uh, controversially got out because he thought the over was over and the over wasn't over. And so he was uh, stumped having walked out of his crease. Okay, you're going to have to take this down even more. Okay, so I will explain as somebody (laughs) who, you know, kind of understands cricket. This guy was, he's one of the batsmen, right? And the other guy was was bowling at him, six, six balls per over. He bowled at him. Nothing happened. He thought the over was finished. The guy who was batting, he stepped out of his little area. Because in um, cricket, every 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 six balls, everyone has a little chat. Yeah. I, I genuinely feel like I need subtitles. <laughs> 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 anyway, what he did was he stepped out of his little area. And oh, no. Oh, no, he, st- he didn't step out of his little Oh, my area. God. And the guy, the guy on the other side took the stumps off, which means that oh, the first no. batsman is out. And it was deemed incredibly, incredibly bad form. Although, I have to say, part of the rules. 
Yes. Not bad, f- bad form. Bad form. But bad the cricket's form? all about form. Oh, no. <laughs> but what happened after this guy got taken out was he then, want, you know, as you have to do, you have to walk along over the, the large kind of, do you call it a field? Pitch. 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 Yeah. And you go to the where they have tea. Pavilion. Yeah. Pavilion, thank you, where they have tea. And as he walked through this room, they walked through the room called the long room. Yes, the long room, which is, so there's this, there's one of the things about lords, this, the, the other thing you need to understand is, <laughs> Sorry, Granny. Cricket they... isn't real. I hate. To... I don't think it's real. I really don't think it's real. Right. Well, it, it, they were playing in Lords, which is the home of cricket. And one of the things about playing in the home of cricket is that the players they go, they walk through the long room so that the uh, the members of Lords are able to sort of see them up close, which is one of the privileges of of, um, of going there. Essentially, all right. these guys in blazers started shouting and at red the trousers Austra- and yes. started shouting at the Australian team, going cheat. Cheat, boo, boo, and then kind of stepped up to a couple of them. Yeah. Who stepped oh up to them. God. And three of these old duffers have now been suspended, right? Yes. Yep. It's tremendously the most exciting thing that's happened in the long <laughs> it run. It sounds since, mad. Since the days of WG Grace. <laughs> but actually, you, you get it. You get it completely. So in the the, the Times has a great write-up. It's got Mike Atherton, who played cricket well and writes beautifully about cricket, just sort of explaining what's going on and, and describing it. But the Telegraph, which is, I think, very much the spirit animal of... Uh, MCC members yeah. has gone it's lost it's, its mind just, it's just amazing <laughs> um, let me read to you from Oliver Brown chief sports writer at Lords. for Lords, this is this was the day that decorum died <laughs> in every corner of a stately sporting citadel the old ashes code of honour and mateship did not so much ebb away as evaporate Stuart Broad told Alex Carey that his dastardly stumping of Johnny Bairstow was the only act for which he would ever be remembered. It goes on for a bit. It might have been justified by the laws of the game, but by the spirit beyond the pale. And this day five crowd never let the Australians hear the end of it. So much for a scrupulous Australia then. So much for this band of impeccable Puritans who have embarked on such a radical makeover since the 2018 sandpaper scandal that their captain models seaweed hoodies and their leading run scorer hawks a brand of oat milk. Window dressing. All of it. I love it. I, I mean, I think the music should be playing in the background. <laughs> it's so brilliant. So basically, <laughs> the, obviously, the Telegraph is losing his mind, and then the the, the kind of crowd at Lords as well. They, they 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 started chanting "Same old Aussies always cheating" because the sandpaper scandal, which I. Can- <laughs> I have to say the producers we... like what? <laughs> what is a sandpaper scandal? I can actually tell you they, they when they when they have the ball to make the ball kind of bounce funny they put it in their pocket and they would kind of sandpaper it so it bounced funny right and they would discover and they were done for that so I mean that's definitely you can't, you can't not trust cricket. the Australians. Yeah. Basically, the only thing better than winning at cricket is is having something that you can complain about when you lose. Okay, and that's where we are. Yeah. Now, headlines are the fascinator on top of your chignon. The bit bit that really sets off the whole outfit. On every edition of Paper Cuts, we choose the very best ones out there. What do we have? Rob, Rob, what have you got? So, in the star, of course, the star, uh, there is a story that the first all-night Greggs could be opening soon. And the headline is 24-hour pastry people. (laughs) Woo! Whoop, whoop, whoop. Ten out of ten for the star. And in the mail... We have the most most disgusting story that I have read in the last 24 hours. 
which is the new thing that's coming to death, which is the boil-in-the-bag funeral, mm. um, where you can have your corpse destroyed by water cremation or alkaline hydrolysis. I, I can't, actually can't bear to read any more about it. But the headline is Splashes to Splashes. <laughs> and Gronje, what do you have? Uh, so this is a fabulous headline from The Sun about a an office that had a plant and it was brought in 14 years ago and has now grown to more than 600 feet. And now they basically work around this plant. They work for the plant. <laughs> yeah, for the, <laughs> the plant is taken over. It's genuinely so upset. It's really unsettling. It's like a corporate remake of um, Little Shop of Horrors. And the headline is, I'm Sprite of Office. Yay! And then a fabulous headline from... The Daily Star, all about how Elton John uh, was once spooked by a spirit on his chest in his house. And the headline is, Saturday night's all right for frightening. Yay! <laughs> I'm David Baddiel. I'm a writer and a comedian and a Jew. I'm Saeed Avasi. I'm a businesswoman and a politician and a Muslim. Jews and Muslims always seem to be in the news or on the news. Most people talk about us, and this is us talking about ourselves. The kind of things that people say don't touch, we are going to go there. I mean, I think Jews and Muslims are talking about these things, but I think they're not talking about them together because they're worried that if they do, sparks might fly. A Muslim and a Jew go there. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. Over the weekend, the Sunday Times political commentator ran a story on Rishi Sunak's state of mind with the headline, Meltdown, why Rishi Sunak feels his deal with the universe isn't working out. Rob, what is this about? This is just the magnificent um, Sunday Times long read from uh, Tim Shipman. So do you know who life is really unfair to? Who? Life is really unfair to married to a billionaire, accidentally became Prime Minister Rishi Sunak. <laughs> oh, poor Rishi. Um, he, apparently he's, uh, he's been going around complaining about how uh, even though he, uh, he works hard, he's not getting on. I mean, apart from all the ways that he is getting on. I had noticed this thing that he's, there's something quite teenage about him. Yeah. And you actually you see it in PMQs when when he's being asked a question about you know his helicopters or his swimming pool or all of this he does this kind of <laughs> thing that, Kevin, that Kevin those, those of us those of us with teenage boys in the house sort of mm. recognise as the kind of, oh, you told me about the clothes on my floor already <laughs> um, and obviously everything's going horribly horribly wrong for the Tories. Um, because everything's going horribly wrong for the country and the country has finally noticed who's in charge. Yeah. And um, uh, so Tim Shipman seems to have been going to lots of parties where people uh, talk about how awful it all is. Um, the magnificent quotes in this, uh, a cabinet minister saying that what Rishi needs is electrodes attached to his box. I just love that so much. Um, <laughs> so- <laughs> It's literally like, you know, it's no good being steady. You know, I mean, one of them quite ni- quite nicely says, oh, you need a bit of baseball, more cricket. You know, yeah. that's what he needs. And then the other one literally says, electrodes to the bollocks, mate. That's what's needed. But but well, my favourite bit is is this um, uh, this line here. At Winchester, Oxford, Stanford, Goldman Sachs and McKinsey, Sunak was told that if he worked hard and solved problems, he would succeed in life. But political reward is more hard won. One cabinet minister put it this way. 
In his mind, the deal he struck with the universe is not working out. He's very clever, but he knows that with cleverness comes responsibility to graft. But if you work hard and do the right thing, the universe will reward you. And in his mind, at the moment, the universe is not keeping its side of the bargain. I mean, I'm not being funny about it. Welcome to our lives, Richard. <laughs> I mean, this is what we're always told. Work hard and be nice to people and everything will work out. It's not really true. Yeah. Life isn't fair, Rishi. And mainly, Rishi, it's not fair in your direction. Yes, yeah. exactly. Because um, combined with this is an amazing Sunday Mirror story about uh, Rishi Sunak and one of his local primary schools up in North Yorkshire. Leyburn Primary. Leyburn Primary. Exclusive. Tightward Rishi Sunak gives £10 wine to local school after a $3 million US college donation. Yeah. Which is so one of these things that MPs are asked to do is a local charity, whatever, is having a raffle and they say, could you donate a bottle of wine? And actually, for a lot of MPs sort of get quite sick of this because they get an awful lot of these requests and, you know, and you do end up sending an awful lot of bottles of wine. On the other hand, Rishi Sunak is really, really rich. Yeah. And he's so rich, in fact, that uh, that he, he and his wife gave um, $3 million to uh, his wife's old college. So, yeah. th- you know, they, they can afford this. And 100 k to Winchester, which is his yes. school. I mean, they, they've yeah. been handing it They're out, not against they? giving money to schools. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they got the cheapest bottle of wine available from uh, the House of Commons shop and he signed it. And what I love about this is the complete contempt with which this was received in North Yorkshire. Um because uh, you sort of obviously the expectation was they would be tremendously grateful. Uh, but in fact, they were so disgusted by the gift that they didn't put it in an auction. They just put it in the tombola raffle, which is the bit of the, the bit of the thing that you do with the, the crap yeah. gift. Yes, yeah, the rubbish, the bubble bath. Yes, That's it what literally, exactly. it's, a, it's, a signed, it's a signed bottle of wine from the prime minister. And, and it's in a one pound a ticket raffle. Yeah. I, I think you guys have been too hard on Rishi. Oh, are we? Yeah. I, I genuinely think <laughs> Like you are, the universe. I, I genuinely think, I think you have been really mean on Rishi. I think he's had a really bum deal of it because I think he basically, becoming Prime Minister now is like basically winning X Factor, but X Factor series like 15, where nobody cares. <laughs> it means nothing, it will make no difference in his career. He's finally done it. It's completely irrelevant. He'll never get a number one. No, that's it. Nobody will even like, he'll be like a, a pub quiz question um, and that everybody will get wrong. Um, and then secondly, this man has never had any working class friends. Yeah. Well, He's yeah. never had any working class friends. So how is he supposed to know that you... A ten, maybe he thought, oh my god, they'll be so excited. Maybe they don't. Maybe they don't have wine in Yeah. yeah. Hey, oh, what's this? <laughs> <laughs> Looks funny. Rita, <laughs> this beer's funny colour. I mean, it is. I mean, apart from all this, I have to just say that across the, the Sunday Times and actually across the papers today, there is a lot of stuff about how everything is failing. So in the Observer, Andrew Warnsey was kind of basically saying that the five promises that Sunak had made to the country, he's absolutely nowhere near doing one. And this is the point. He says, if you're going to market yourself as someone who's good at fixing stuff, you better be good at fixing stuff. Yeah. And it's all gone wrong. So the five pledges was basically halve inflation, no, grow the economy, no, reduce national debt, <laughs> absolutely not. It's the highest level for more than 60 years. Reduce the NHS waiting list, no, stop the boats. Mm. And like, if you if you look at the papers today, the Guardian's got a survey. It's it's Monday. There's always surveys. So they have a survey saying that 71% of us think the NHS is going to be forced to charge for care. The I has another survey and says voters are turning on Sunak over his poor handling of inflation. It's 
it's all going wrong. Mm. I mean, that's the feeling that I get from it, really. But the, the, I mean, to be to to hop onto one of my minor hobby horses, I, although. You can sort of say, well, Rishi Sunak's inherited this terrible thing because he's come in after Boris Johnson and he's dealing with the economic legacy of Brexit. And Liz Truss. And Liz Truss. The, the, the thing is that Rishi Sunak basically, before he became prime minister, made two big political choices in his life. And one was to back Brexit and the other one was to back Boris Johnson as prime minister. Mm-hmm. So there is quite a lot of him reaping right now things that he sowed over the past five or six years. So... Shall we stop crying for Rishi? Yeah. I mean, sorry, Grania. <laughs> Once you get past the news and editorials, you come to the fun part of the papers. Columnists telling us how clever they are, fashion eds telling us how rubbish we are, and sports writers going mad over someone doing something with a ball. Grania, what have you got? Uh, so this is from the Times at the weekend. The headline is, Thanks, babes. <laughs> oh... Sounded like uh, Danny Dyer there. Thanks, babes. Why Americans are falling for Love Island accents. And that's about the trend amongst young people in um, the Americas uh, as a result of the popularity of Love Island there to talk to each other in British accents. I love this. Like, I mean, basically, they're saying that the, there's a difference between the American Love Island and the UK Love Island, which is the Americans are really, really direct. So they're like, hey, you want to hump? Because I want to hump you. And there's kind of no nuance. Whereas, I mean, supposedly, Love Island is a little bit more kind of nuanced about it. It's almost like Bridgerton. It's, <laughs> it's dance. <laughs> and they're learning new words like graft and faff. And when essentially when they're drunk, they revert to Essex accents, which I mean sounds to me like a bit, little bit like how what we do with American accents ourselves. So if you if you want to be kind of semi-serious about your feelings, you go, "Hey guys, I've got something to say that's incredibly personal," and they're doing it, but the other way around. I just I just love it for them, and I love it for you guys. I really think for a long time, you know, Britain, you guys had the empire. You were the scary guys. You're always like the villains in American TV shows and movies. And now, you know what, you're just in a different stage of your your life, you know, nation-wise. So I think this is good rebrand for you to be like, so from now on, you won't be like the villain, the evil guy. The British accent will be like clueless, but slightly lovable. Yes, well, exactly, yeah. I mean, there, there's some there's amazing bits that in, in, within the uh, article. So they said there's been a Saturday Night Live parody of Love yeah. Island. And this is what they said. You've heard an English accent. <laughs> You've heard an Irish accent. Now hear all the little weirdies in between. <laughs> Which is actually kind of like this podcast. We've got Rob. Yeah. Yeah, the English. We've got Gronje. And I've obviously the weirdie yeah, the in between. <laughs> and, um, and there's another bit here where they quote a Chicago therapist. And he said, so one of the things they said was a bit like what you said, which is that you can take on this accent without being accused of cultural appropriation because, you know, yeah. it's, mm-hmm. it's an English accent. And they say, they say, well, if you look at Bake Off, if Bake Off was made in the US, the contestants would be, and this is a quote, giant assholes. <laughs> <laughs> but British yeah. contestants are like, oh, no, I made a shit tart. <laughs> And this is the therapist saying it. So I think we win. Yeah, good for us. <laughs> OK, uh, let's do Boiling the Bag Funerals. Who's got that? Uh, right, so, uh, well, we mentioned the headline earlier, Splashes for Splashes. It's a water cremation. It's Boiling the Bag Funerals. There's a... Apparently, being cremated is bad for the environment. I mean, obviously, 
Well, I suppose it isn't bad for you because you're already dead. But um, uh, so there's a, a more environmentally friendly thing to do with dead people afterwards, which yeah. is uh, which is coming to the UK um, from the co-op, and it's it's known as resumation, also described as water cremation or alkaline hydrolysis. The practice consists of the deceased being enclosed in a biodegradable pouch and placed in a container filled with pressurised water and potassium hydroxide boiled at 160 degrees. This converts tissues and cells to a watery solution of micromolecules with one cycle taking four hours. Do you want more? Yes, go on, keep going. Soft bones remain and are dried, then reduced to a white powder which can be returned to relatives in an urn. It's literally ground down to make my bread, isn't it? <laughs> They've got the bones. We grind it down. Oh, no, sorry. Oh. Return to the family. Yes. It's, I mean, the, the thing that I find quite interesting about it is that you have to then get rid of the watery bits that have uh, yes. retained. And they ha- obviously had to check with the water boards who have problems with these things. And Northumbrian Water said it's OK for the resulting water to be put down the, brain, put down the drain as, here we go, Trade effluent. Nice. I just don't like any funeral idea that I think somebody came up with watching an episode of Breaking Bad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, very true. It does seem a bit serial killery, doesn't it? It's it's definitely, it's a little bit along the lines of putting the body in the bath with a load of acid. That's what it seems like to me. Yeah. But I have to say that, you know, Archbishop Desmond Tutu, that's how he chose, you know, to have his body disposed of earlier this year. So it's something slightly holy about it, you know. I mean, you've got another way of uh, disposing of corpses. Uh, which is the royal story that you found earlier. Oh, yeah. Well, they found another king. They'd found another body. They found another king's body under a car park. Oh. Which I just love because it makes it sound like there's a serial killer. (laughs) The king's out there. Yeah, be careful, Charles. (laughs) Like a really fancy episode of Midsummer Murders. (laughs) Okay, we have a funny story in the mail. This is... (laughs) Former Mayor Chris Cummins, who took a shortcut on his walk to the station, uh, 75 years old, and ended up trapped face down behind a football club pavilion after he tried to crawl through a gap and got stuck under a pipe. And uh, He was, was there, can we just say, how long for? Five days. days. He was there for five Lord. days because he wouldn't turn back or take directions. Is that correct? <laughs> I, well, I, I think I, I think on day day three he would have willingly turned back and taken directions, but at that by that point he was he was stuck. But look, he was stuck under a water pipe. He was stuck. He'd, he'd, he'd sort of he'd seen he'd seen a way. Look, this is completely understandable to me. He thought he could see a way through, to so the he went. And the gap started getting narrow. He thought, no, I could do that. And then he sort of thought, I just need to crawl under here. I can see where I'm getting to. I just need to crawl under here. And then he got stuck. And yeah. this is this is basically. For middle-aged men, we just know that we're on a countdown to doing this <laughs> at some point. This is... It seems really likely. Yes, I, I completely plausible that you would just kind of like, right, OK, I just need to go. I just need to go. I can do this. I can do. We just need to climb over that. We just need to crawl under that. This is, this is, this. I mean, this is basically, this is what I spend my entire time worrying about my dad doing. Yeah. This is how I'm going to go. It's yeah. interesting. This is, it, you know what it's like? It's like that feeling within certain men that they're still a seven-year-old boy. That this is the way to do it. You just climb through things, you go over the top, round the back, and you'll yeah, be yeah. fine. But, you know, the fact is he was 75 and he ended up having his toes amputated. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. This is going to be an ITV2 drama with Hugh Bonville. <laughs> 
I had to edge along sideways. Then I started crawling. I get you look, but when I ca- but then I came to some sort of pipe low down, and when I tried to crawl under it, I got stuck and couldn't move. I just I, I, so completely, boring. completely. You get you just you you see what you need to do, and you're just going to go and do it. How yeah. awful! Because he so he he had to have toes amputated. Yeah. And do you think of the the trauma that he's been through, the pain, and still people will be like, you bloody idiot. Absolutely. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I think fair enough. <laughs> and that's the end of today's Paper Cuts. Thanks to Gronya. Thank you. And thanks to Rob. Thank you not stuck under a pipe <laughs> uh, thanks for listening and don't forget to follow Paper Cuts on your favourite podcast app if you really like us then go to Spotify or Apple and give us five stars and a full on Pulp and Fintry Park review you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Paper Cuts Show links are in the show notes I've been Miranda Sawyer and you've been listening to Paper Cuts on a day when Orkney residents asked to leave the UK and to become Norwegian can we come too <laughs> see you next time